Hello and welcome to the Driven by Diversity podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Steph. And every week we shine the spotlight on underrepresented groups in the world of racing. Our guests share their journey into the sport and also delve into what diversity and inclusion means to them. We hope that we can provide you with real role models who you can relate to and who represent you. And more than that, that you'll feel inspired and encouraged to know that you can make it in motorsport, no matter your background. Whilst entrepreneurship in motorsport isn't so common, building a business is something that comes naturally to this episode's guest. With his brand new Formula One focused magazine, Race Weekend, which is launching soon, his team aims to celebrate the circuits, cities and culture of the Race Weekend and bring the full experience to you, the fans, wherever you are in the world. This chat also sees us talk about the importance of the sport reaching out to those who have the experience of being from an underrepresented group in an industry that is looking to diversify. And our guest also shares with us how he felt the very first time he stepped foot into the F1 paddock. Keep listening for a conversation with Magnus Greaves. I think it's only right to kick off talking about the launch of the Kickstarter campaign for Race Weekend. Can you explain to our listeners what Race Weekend is? So Race Weekend is our magazine that comes at Formula One from a different perspective. So our goal is to look at the circuits, the cities and the culture of Formula One. So we recognize that there's a lot of great stuff out there for news and technology and strategy. Um, but we think, you know, one of the richest part of the Formula One experience is actually going to a Grand Prix. Uh, or if you're watching it from home, just understanding that city, that amazing venue uh, that is hosting the race. And, and uh, you know, the fact that Formula One travels to 22 different locations to me is, is, is mind blowing. And I think sometimes that is just sort of skimmed over and uh and we want to take the time to explore it a bit more deeply yeah definitely agree with that the um cultural side of it is often just glazed over because we're just so in the thick of the actual on-track action but to think of all the different cultures that we touch on and all the different locations that we tap into is super super exciting and that's one of the beauties of formula one being such a global sport as we just mentioned there's the kickstarter campaign could you tell us what you're actually trying to achieve with this campaign and what the goal is and the next steps will be? Yeah, so I've always been fascinated by Kickstarter um, just as a concept, as a, as a platform, uh, but it never was something that was sort of um, on my mind to, to take advantage of, to, to, to participate in. But with the, the lockdown and the shutdown of the season and all the fans being stuck at home, all of a sudden I realized, well, we're in a very... It's a very interesting situation where for the first time ever, no fan can go to a race. So Formula One's kind of a bizarre sport because most of the time, 99% of the fans can't go to the race. And now yeah. for the first time, 100% couldn't go to a race. So now all of a sudden there was a sort of common problem that all of us fans were facing. Um, and then trying to change our rituals to enjoy the racing while watching it on TV while at the same time fantasizing about the time when we will eventually be able to go back to the races. So all of a sudden, everybody's in the same boat, if you like. And then on the other side, you know, Formula One isn't always a very collaborative uh, industry to, to work in. It can be very tough. Um, but I would start all of a sudden having lots of amazing conversations with different participants in, in Formula One, other media outlets and, and people that were, there was a different sense of collaboration. So 
I put all that together and I thought, you know, I think right now Kickstarter is the perfect platform for us to use because it, it allows us to connect with fans around the world while also pulling in these collaborations and relationships with these other F1 related entities. And, and, and we just sort of put it together and put it out there. And it's so far, it's been a lot of fun. Fab. And what does your what does the Kickstarter hope to achieve in terms of the amount raised and then what will happen once that amount gets hit? So we set the target at $20,000. Um, so we feel if we get 500 Formula One fans to back the campaign, then we're there. Now, Formula One has a massive global audience. So, you know, I, I feel like we said it, um, we said it low, uh, but that's what we need to, to, to finish the issue. So you know, we're already in production. Uh, we have amazing contributions from Darren Heath, the, the legendary Formula One photographer. Mm. We've got great writers. My partner, Tom Brown, is an absolutely genius designer. Emily Frederick. We have, we have a great team of people putting it together. Um, but getting the support from the fans allows us to take that final step, the most expensive and important step, which is actually printing it. And, uh, and, and sending it out to people around the world. And, and in this process though, um, we're getting a lot of feedback from people. So it's also helping to influence what's gonna go into the issue in terms of exploring the themes of the race weekend. So there's mm -hmm. sort of two halves to it. One, the first half of it is, is the themes that define every race weekend. And then to see how that's interpreted in different cities and countries and venues around the world. And then the second half is sort of a guide to all the 22 race weekend experiences and, and how they differ between the action, you know, the sort of experience at the circuit, the action in the city and the unique X factor of that particular location, right? So if you've never been to a Grand Prix, this will help you identify which one would satisfy your fantasy. You know, do you want a, a historic type of experience or do you want more of a party city? You know, mm -hmm. do you want to experience something that is just very easy to get in and out of, or are you mm -hmm. willing to make a bit more effort in a more exotic location? So we, we break it down in many different ways. And I think for the first time, fans are going to have a very full picture of what that race weekend experience is like from, from the minute you arrive at that airport and experiencing the race and then leaving, right? Because it's, you know, there's a couple hours of racing but you're there in, in, in that city for 72 hours. So you really want to know yeah. what that city is like. And, and also just, just, I mean, you can go to that city anytime, but, but, but how are you going to make sure you have a very specific Formula One type experience? So that's what we're aiming to help with. And then subsequent issues will be city themed. So, you know, we'll do one that's specific and go really deep into Barcelona or really deep into Baku yeah. or really deep into Melbourne. So, but the first one is sort of a survey of all 22 venues. Brilliant. That sounds like my ideal kind of publication, to be honest, combining Formula One with travel. And I love that. And um, I, yeah, I can't wait to re receive mine. But um, when people make their donation to the Race Weekend Kickstarter, what is it that they will receive in exchange for their support? So, so a couple of things. So, they can just go for the issue, this launch issue. Um, we've also collaborated with Race Service, um, fantastic team of guys in Los Angeles that do great content and merchandise in the motorsport space. So we've collaborated with them on a t-shirt. So you can buy the, the issue and a t-shirt. 
Uh, we're going to do a couple of different covers so people can buy uh, the box set of, of the four different covers. Um, and then we also have uh, some, some limited edition signed prints from Darren Heath that we're going to be making available as well. So, and then we also have uh, a level that sponsors can get on board. We don't put ads into our products for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is just aesthetic. Mm. We, we like to create a very pure, beautiful product and, and taking random ads uh, can junk it up. And, um, and that's not what we're about. Also, we prefer to work more collaboratively with a brand as we've done in the past with, you know, AT&T and Pirelli and, and, and different companies. So, so we don't put ads in there, but we've offered an opportunity for brands and sponsors to come on board, um, you know, for, to help get this great issue out. But also we will do something very collaborative with them uh, to create content and communicate their messaging to Formula One fans. Like Steph said, I am super excited for this and we'll make sure to leave the link in the bio of this episode so that people can contribute and find find their way onto the website. Stepping away from the race weekend for a second and focusing mm. on you a bit more in your career within motorsport, could you tell us a bit more about how you actually got into the industry in terms of how you became a fan? Yeah, absolutely. Um so career-wise, I my career was actually based in the financial industry, uh, trading. So I, I'm from Canada, but I moved to London when I was 19 to become a trader. I wanted to work in the futures pits and mm-hmm. put on the funny color jacket and wave my arms around and scream at people to try and get money. Uh, so, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I was exposed initially to Formula One as a child. My mom and my brother were really into Formula One. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. but I was aware of it from them. Uh, Gradually got more interested. But then when I went to London and I was very close and was able to, you know, go to races, I was able to, you know, visit a couple of the factories. And then my mind was just absolutely blown. Um, So so that's when I became a, a real fan. But then... When I sold, so I started a trading firm with a couple of guys that went really, really well, and we ended up selling it. When I sold that business, uh, I've always been in love with magazines, and I really understood the business of magazines. So I set up my own magazine for the financial industry, Um, and then I did a couple of other magazine-related things. But then it just sort of hit me that Formula One was an opportunity for me to combine my knowledge of the magazine business with the thing that I was most obsessed with, which is Formula One. Um, But I came at it from two sides. One was as a fan, I was really disappointed with the lack of entertaining media options that were available, right? So Mm -hmm. once you read about the news and the the technology and stuff, there was nothing exploring the cities and the lifestyle and and all of that. So as a fan, I wanted that. But then having participated as an owner of a, of a magazine company, I just couldn't believe the opportunity that presented itself on the business side uh, to start that type of publication. So it was sort of coming at it from a couple of different angles and, um, and that's how it all started. And what were the first steps that you actually took to actually get your foot in the door and get into the industry and transition from fan to actual job? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, well, that's a crazy one. Um, 
Well, it took me several years of developing the concept mm-hmm. uh, because there's there's a lot of barriers. There's a lot of barriers to any business, but there's a lot of barriers to professional sports and to Formula One in particular, right? So, you know, getting access to the venues is very difficult. Um, knowing how tight they are with, you know, copyright and trademarks and brands and photography and video makes it even more challenging. So, so it took a, a couple of years actually to develop the concept. Um, and then eventually I just decided, well, let me just do a test issue. Let me just trial it and see how it goes. So that was actually 2015 in Abu Dhabi. Um, and we put an issue together, but, but putting an issue together is one thing, but then coming up with a business plan, a business model, a distribution plan was very tricky. So we decided to do it as a, as a, so we flew to Abu Dhabi. Uh, we photographed the city and, and met with a bunch of people. We had a wonderful contact at the circuit, um, sort of by chance, um, and had access to the circuit well before the event itself. And then we decided to do it as a, as a free publication and we distributed it at, you know, hotels, the airport, all over the place. Uh, anyway, showed up for the Grand Prix, um, was able to get people's reaction to it, which was fantastic and, and made one really great connection at the time, which is with Paul Weaver, uh, who at the time was the Formula One correspondent for The Guardian. Uh, and he was very, very helpful, very great with his feedback and, and offering his assistance. And that really sort of turbocharged everything and opened up a lot of doors and allowed me the following year to go at it a lot more aggressively. So that's how it all came together. Wow. And now we are here with race weekend about to kick off. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so do you have any advice for any wannabe sort of motorsport publishers? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, don't do it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, uh, you, you know what, what? I mean, it's like anything, you know, you, you really I, I can look back on the first plans that I created for what is now race weekend. And it, it goes back 10 years. Right. I mean, there's, I, I think, I think you can accelerate a lot of things now because of the tools that are in place. Uh, I think, you know, specifically to a publisher in this space, I mean, you, you really need to come at it with a very unique and defined point of view. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost too easy to start a media product, mm-hmm. um, which makes people a little bit lazy in how they come out. I think that you really, just because you can start something doesn't mean that you should. I think if you don't have a very defined voice that's adding something to the conversation, even if you don't have amazing access, it doesn't mean you can't have a really strong point of view and, 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 a, and a creative way to communicate that. Uh, but I think more broadly to somebody who's trying to be an entrepreneur in motorsport or specifically Formula One, maybe that's the one who I would throw a bit more caution to because it, it's a very, it's just not a very entrepreneur friendly environment. It's a very, I mean, being an entrepreneur and starting a business in any industry is going to be difficult, but I, I've started businesses in numerous industries yeah. uh, and, and, and by far Formula One posed the most challenges. Okay. That's interesting. Um, why do you think that is? I, I, I think about it a lot. I, I think there's a, a lot of different reasons. Um, 
you know, first of all, I compare it to other sports and other sports actually have very fertile uh, entrepreneurial ecosystems Mm -hmm. that, that the rights owners and the teams and the athletes themselves do a lot to, 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 to foster and perpetuate. Uh, you know, if you look at the NBA, I mean, those are, uh, that's just unbelievable from the top on down uh, in terms of what they do to encourage entrepreneurship, whether it's the entrepreneurship of the athletes or whether it's other people coming in and, and making contributions to the sport, you know, and, and there's a lot of sports like that. Soccer's like that. Uh, American football's like that. There's a lot of different sports. Formula One, less so. I, I don't know whether that's because you need money before you get into the sport to make it into the sport. So mm-hmm. people, as opposed to say basketball, where athletes don't have money and then all of a sudden they have this visibility and these huge contracts and yeah. that makes them more entrepreneurial. I, I'm not sure. You know, th- that, that's just one angle. You know, I think, I think, I just, I don't know. It just, it's just, um, it's, a, it's an industry full of very large companies throwing around big amounts of money but still, I think that if if many of those entities were more open to the ideas of entrepreneurs, they would benefit as well. And they would get really great ideas. Uh, there would be some interesting collaborations. The sport would advance in terms of the fan experience a lot more quickly. You know, the media products connecting with other types of, of fans around the world. Uh, I, I don't know. I wish I wish it was a... I wish it was a little bit more open for for entrepreneurs, but, you know, you do what you can. That accessibility point is really important as I feel like it's something that crops up in all of our conversations, no matter what role the the guest is in, whether it's publishing, driving, whatever it might be. It seems like that's a common common thread, um, which is unfortunate. But the race weekend is a channel in a sense to actually make Formula One more accessible and more inclusive to fans who may not otherwise have the opportunity to go to race weekends. And it gives them a little peek inside what what the race weekend entails so what other ways do you think formula one can make the sport a bit more inclusive whether it's to the fans or like you said in the publishing side or even across the board well i i think i think the first thing is to sort of acknowledge and embrace a lot of the independent media outlets that are out there you know whether it's your podcast my magazine there's a lot of blogs there's a lot of instagram accounts that are just put together because there's individuals that are passionate about the sport. And I think if those were just embraced and acknowledged a bit more uh, in terms of occasionally giving these outlets visibility in, in, in terms of there are certain people that I think would be incredible if they had uh, media accreditation and access in order to interview people in the paddock, mm-hmm. I think that would, that, would, that would be great. That would put these, that would give these voices a different platform and which makes it easier for all the different types of fans to find their comfortable connection to the sport. You, you see what I mean? Like some, we don't all want the same type of news. We don't all want it from the same perspective. You know, there's, yeah. there's so many different types of fans that if they're able to find those outlets that they connect with that bring them along. And, 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 and there's podcasts and, and people that are, are going even further. They're, they're operating Slack groups for people to communicate during races. They're organizing events on their own. They're organizing all these different things to help the fan experience. Um, and they're getting no help or acknowledgement or 
spotlight, you know, from Formula One. And and, and don't don't get me wrong, it, it's all a business, and I get it. But Formula One itself could benefit tremendously, and and widen their fan base and help. You know, the thing I find interesting is the number of people that have come up to me that have no interest in Formula One whatsoever. And they told me that, you know, they, along with their partners, their spouses, watched the Netflix show and they loved it. Yeah, They loved it. I hear that all the time. But then I'll I'll follow up with those people a couple months later and say, oh, did you watch the race this weekend? And they're like, no, no, they never watched the race. So, so there's a lot of people that are interested, but then they're not finding the existing media platforms and channels um, sufficient to sort of bring them from that early stage to the next stage that they want to get to. Yet there's, there's a lot of great independent outlets out there. So I, I, you know, I, I just hope that they can get more attention. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And when you were talking about entrepreneurship earlier, that's something that came to my mind as well. The amount of even just like Instagram accounts that have been set up because they're fans and they're passionate about the sport and they they want to share that. There are so many of those, but they aren't necessarily utilized by Formula One when there really is a such a massive opportunity to do so. Absolutely. And and the, the numbers are incredible. Mm. Like I, I did a spreadsheet one time just because I wanted to, see, you know, check who everybody was and see who we could work with. And this person has 10,000, this person yeah. has 50,000, this person yeah. has 100,000. There's just, it, it's, it adds up mm-hmm. to more than, than Formula One's own social media presence. So if they found a way to embrace that, yeah. they could get a, a, a huge bump. Absolutely. Like there's, there's the, the opportunity is just so big and it just needs to be, be taken. And because I think that would be, as you say, really beneficial in terms of widening the fan base and finding those connections that you're comfortable with um, and providing opportunities to uh, young entrepreneurs or not even young entrepreneurs just generally to yeah. go and interview drivers or to create new content that is different from a different perspective that Formula One could really utilize to their advantage. Well I, absolutely but also what happens is entrepreneurs are people that just constantly think of ideas and, yeah. and, and sense opportunities and so it'll extend well beyond just media into the fan yeah. experience into products into merchandise mm into you know even elements of technology so formula one and its key stakeholders its sponsors the teams you know they could all benefit as well if there was just a bit more of a you know a culture of listening and and giving opportunity and access to these entrepreneurs yeah we'll see yeah we will see but i think that the there is definitely a need for more diverse media entrepreneurs whatever whatever area it is that people are slotting into, there's definitely that gap. Because like you said, there are people that were reeled in by the Netflix show, but then mm-hmm. didn't make that connection to the actual race weekends. It was, there's just a missing link there. Yeah. But you have been lucky enough to actually uh, be in the paddock and and get your foot in the door. What was your experience of diversity once you did get inside and on all fronts? Well... I mean, that, that was interesting. So my, my first race that I was able to attend with my media accreditation, I was very, very excited. Uh, and, and what you do is you, you, you go and you check in and they assign you a seat and everything. And then you walk into the media center where there could be 
you know, seats for 300 people. Uh, and the first one I was given my seat and I, to be really honest, I opened the door and I looked inside, I looked around and I just, I mean, it was just people working, which is terrific, but I saw nobody that looked like me uh, or even close. And I just thought, it just kind of hit me. I mean, I've been confronted by that situation so many different times in my life. Um, but when you are confronted in it, with it in a new environment, in particular in a professional environment, it can be, it can throw you. Mm -hmm. uh, so to be fairly honest, I actually for the whole weekend didn't enter the media center. I, I, um, I was in the paddock and doing my thing, but the, the media center just felt a bit much. Um, anyway, the next time you kind of get over it and then you start to meet some people and there's some wonderful people in there. Um, but in terms of diversity, uh, I mean, I think, I think we all know there's not very much diversity, uh, whether it's in the media center or in the paddock or, or what have you. It's one of the things I like so much about traveling to all the different races and, and again, why my publication focuses on these different locations is you do get local media uh, or regional media that'll show up at certain, you know, at, at those particular races. Um, and that allows you to see something a little bit different and hopefully, you know, they'll cover the race in a, in a slightly different way. Um, so, so yeah, so, and, and those are some of the people that we're trying to connect with to get different voices into, into our own publication because you know, just simply talking about technology isn't going to do it. You need to look at the different environments, which is where diversity actually happens, where it actually takes place. Yeah. It's strange because Formula One as a sport has such a global fan base and it is a very a vibrant and, and diverse fan base, but it's not really taken advantage of and it's not sort of replicated within the workforce as well, as you say, within the paddock and within the media centre. But Hopefully we're now on our way to making those changes that will enable the workforce in the paddock to become more diverse. But over your over the course of your time working within motorsport and in particular Formula One, have you seen any tangible changes at all? Uh, no, I, I've, I've not seen any changes. Um, but I think that the current movement and discussion certainly opens it up for the possibility of there being changes. Um, you know, so I was thinking about it the other day and, and I've, you know, just diversity takes many different shapes and forms, right? But yeah. my own background being of Jamaican and English descent, I don't see many other black people involved in Formula One for, for whatever reason. Um, it's nice to see Formula One and some of the teams talk about wanting to implement diversity efforts and everything else. Yeah. I, I've made myself very available, actively made myself available uh, to be part of any discussions because I feel like I have a unique perspective mm -hmm. um, being in the in the media and also owning a business. Yeah, I think that um, there's a lot more listening that needs to be done by Formula One and the industry as a whole. Like you said, it it needs you need to actually listen to the people that have the experiences when you're putting these initiatives and these diversity plans in place because otherwise you're kind of just hoping that it lands correctly. Well, that's absolutely right. And you're, and you're, and, and what often happens in these types of situations is they get all sorts of people, get all sorts of experts together. And then they look at the people that they kind of guess at what the people that want to get into an industry need. 
when you have a group of people that are already in the industry that could tell you their firsthand experience and 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 you know you can take that information and add it to these the opinions of these experts but i think it's a big miss if you don't connect with the people that have already experienced it in particular if it's a small group of people i mean it doesn't take very mm. much to 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 get those opinions right so uh, I think it needs to come from 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 both angles. So in terms of why diversity is important, I think obviously we all know why diversity is important, but particularly for you um, and in Formula One, why is it so needed in your opinion? Well, I, I, I come at things from a from a from a business point of view, you know, and if you want to succeed, it, if you're an entrepreneur, you'll do anything that you can to to succeed, right? Yeah. So you just want the best people, the right answers, new ideas and everything else. And I just think as a business owner, why would I, why would I cut myself off from any channel that would help me to, to, to get to that end goal? So, you know, and I think that that that's on my little level, but that's also the same at, at a higher level, right? Is you just want all the channels you can to get all the information and ideas. But then also if you're, if you're a, a public facing business, if you're a sport, and your fan base is, is diverse, then surely you want the people that are working in your sport to be diverse as well in order yeah. to make that very natural, fluid, uh, sincere connection and just to, just to grow the whole thing. So, uh, I mean, to, to me, it's very obvious. The, the, the thing I find interesting as well is with the discussion about diversity in Formula One, they talk about two paths, right? They talk about the driver path and then mm-hmm. they talk about studying STEM and getting onto a team. What I've tried to communicate to people in Formula One is that there's actually a third path. And the third path is the path of entrepreneurship. Historically, underrepresented groups have always turned to entrepreneurship when the existing channels have been cut off from them. That's what you do, right? And, and so, you know, understanding that is understanding the people that you're trying to connect with, right? There's only ever going to be a very limited number of people that can come through the driver path, regardless mm. of race. I mean, it's a money thing, it's all sorts, but you got to do what you can, absolutely. STEM, absolutely. That, that's, that's a huge part of this industry. And so you need to make sure that those opportunities are open. But if you want to understand and encourage the people that feel like they haven't had an opportunity you need to understand that entrepreneurship is, is a path that, 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 is, that is taken by that group of people and maybe just examine whether there's things that you can do, whether it's supplier diversity efforts, whether it's um, matching people up or, or giving talks or, or just other initiatives that encourage entrepreneurship on a particular level. Um, I mean, and again, that's obviously very personal to me, but that's all because it is personal to yeah. me. That's what I can speak to. But I just want people to think that maybe there's a third path and that that path doesn't just benefit the entrepreneur, but it can benefit Formula One and its its key stakeholders as well. Yeah, as they say, if you can't find a way, you make one. And that is what a lot of people from underrepresented groups are forced to do if they are looking at an industry that doesn't seem to have very open arms to them. Exactly. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. And there's there's a wealth of knowledge and experience that comes through diversity. And that is something that I always think is also so obvious that you would want to tap into that and take advantage of that. It is bizarre that that isn't always the case in such massive global organizations. It's, it's 
baffling that you can't see those benefits and that they even need to be like spelt out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes things just sort of carry on and, and systems exist and, mm -hmm. and then people don't know what's happening. And I think what's nice about the conversation right now is it's just making people aware that, ah, I get it now that, you know, this system operate operated in a closed way, maybe not intentionally by the people that work within it. Maybe that's the system that they just inherited. Right. But, but it's going to take the effort and the awareness of these individuals to, to open these things up. So I'm not saying that there's any malicious intent by people. Mm -hmm. There's just, yeah. this is just kind of how it was, but now that, you know, be open to all the different ways that you can address it and don't just try and come up with them yourselves. Right. Talk to the people that have experienced it. Talk to the people that are trying to break in and understand from them what their challenges are. And then also pull in your, your fancy experts, but, but it needs to come from, from, from different levels, not just from the, 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 the fancy experts. Yeah, I agree with that because, you know, a lot of us call it our sport or my sport and for it to be really, truly our or my sport, it needs to have like that two-way communication channel and not just the sport dictating, you know, what information you receive or, you know, everything to do with that. Because then that through creating that two-way channel, you then have a greater connection to your fan base and greater loyalty as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I tell you, you know, I, I, I applaud Lewis Hamilton and his efforts and what he's looking at doing. But when he announced his, his commission, you know, it's a very sort of fancy expert top down kind of commission. You know, I hope that there's like going to be some other people, uh, again, that have gone through it or that are trying to get in so that that the, the voices of the people that it will benefit are heard and not just you know, the opinions of people that have, uh, you know, studied it on some level. So, you know, it's got to be top down, bottom up. It's got to come at it from, from every single angle. I hope so too. And like you've, you've just said, it needs to come from experience. There's only so much that you can learn by a book or by studying. At the end of the day, people's experiences are always going to be what, what are most valuable and where you actually learn what needs to change. So what exactly. would your what would your like one piece of advice be to Formula One or the FIA or whoever might be listening or might not, <laughs> yeah. if you could give them one piece of advice for how they could um, start to get the ball rolling and make a change? I know that's a very big question. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a, it, maybe it's a big question, but it's, I'm a broken record. Talk to the people that have experienced it. So maybe very like simple. setting up forums and surveys and actually actively reaching out and using that as sort of market research in a strange way. You can shoot someone an email. You can get them on the phone. You Listen, all of us that have experienced it are thinking about it nonstop. We think about mm. it nonstop anyway, because that's just what our lives are like. Yeah. But we're thinking about it a lot because there's a lot of people talking about our experiences without asking us about it. And, and, and while you're happy that people are talking, at some point, it gets a bit offensive that they're talking about your situation and not asking you about it. So my one piece of advice would be talk to the people that have experienced it and find a group of people that are trying to make their way in and understand from them what their challenges are, right? So, so I, I, I studied design thinking, right, which is human-centered design, which basically is don't guess and use your own assumptions at what people want or need, ask them, talk to them, 
you know what I mean? Make them part of that process. And I think it's very, it's very simple. So that would be my, my, my one piece of advice. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. As mentioned, Magnus is due to launch the premiere issue of Race Weekend and the Kickstarter for that is live. The link is in the episode description, so make sure to show your support there and the campaign ends on the 26th of October, so please check it out. Now, I'm super excited about it. I think that the mix between the on-track action and off-track culture is such a good shout and really offers a cool perspective into the sport. Yeah, I totally agree. Not only will you be encouraging entrepreneurship in the sport, you'll also receive an amazing copy of Race Weekend in exchange for backing the Kickstarter. It's no secret that F1 is a difficult sport to break into, whatever the field. So showing your support to upcoming projects like this is a great way to help people make their way in. Yeah, it definitely is. And following on from that, not only is it a tough sport to get into, but as Magnus mentioned when he was recalling his first experience in the paddock, F1 can also be a daunting environment to step into if you don't see yourself already represented within it. But it's really, really encouraging having people like Magnus there, sharing his experiences, and also just being so open. I know you'll probably agree with this anyway, Ariana, but I really valued Magnus's point about the importance of talking to the people who have had the experiences on a subject an organisation is looking to improve. And in this case, it's diversity in the sport and also entrepreneurship, as it's the best and fastest way to understand the root of the issue and have people who have actually gone through it share their thoughts and opinions. Check out this episode description for Race Weekend's Insta handle and the Kickstarter link to make your pledge. Get in touch with us on Instagram at We Are Driven by Diversity. Thank you to Magnus for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure to subscribe, and a new episode will be dropping next Tuesday. Bye.